Welcome to Faith Baptist Church, Great Village, where we believe in the truth of the gospel, building of community, and engaging in the mission of Christ. We hope you enjoy this week's message as our pastors share from God's Word. As you've all heard, my name is Alex White, and I am one of the pastors here on staff. And uh, today I'm going to be speaking out of the little letter of Jude. It's very, very small. It's literally one chapter. Um, so, but this letter might be short, but it, it's, it's, it's full. Full of truth, full of knowledge, full of the Bible. Everything's drawn into this one letter. And it packs quite a punch. But when Jude began to write this letter, he was writing to a group of, uh, either a group at a church or... or um, or whatever, it, it was uh, about their common salvation. But he found out some troubling news as he was writing the letter, or before he started to write the letter, that there were some false teachers among the group, so among the common group. So Jude was writing to them so they would fight for their faith. And that's the title of today's message, if anyone's taking notes. It's called Fighting for Your Faith. And uh, Jude warned against the, pitfall, the pitfalls of false teachers and false prophets. So we're going to dive right into verse 3 and 4, because like I said, it's only one chapter. We're just going to be talking a lot of verses today. So if you want to open your Bibles there with me. And it says, Beloved, although... Um, I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation. This is where we know that we're, he's talking to a group of common-minded individuals. And um, he said, I found it was necessary to write appealing to you con uh, con to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. So before we continue on, uh, I just ask you to pray with me. So just ask the Lord in, in our presence here. Heavenly Father, um, just thank you that uh, you are here today. God, you, your, your presence here is evident. Father, we, we felt you through, through your worship, through our worship here today. Father God, I just pray that um, this little letter of Jude, God, I pray that it does pack quite a punch in our hearts today. I pray that uh, we open our hearts to it and our, allow our minds to be fed by it. So Heavenly Father, I just pray that... Uh, you use me as, as your vessel today and uh, allow your truth to be spoke from my mouth. And God, I just pray all these things in your name. Amen. So as we were going through, um, just hold on, I'm, I just noticed my TV's not on. That's better. I can see what I'm doing. TV's still not on. There we go. So these are very strong words um, in this short little uh, letter. And Jew didn't waste any time because there wasn't much time to waste in the letter. He, he struck you really hard. 
and really fast. So Jude wasn't giving, like shading around and oh, I'm going to talk about this a little bit. It was right straight to the punch. And he spoke so boldly. But who is this Jude that he has this authority and power to speak so, bro- so boldly? So we're going to talk a little bit about Jude before we go into it. And Jude was actually translated in the Greek and Hebrew as Judas. And only later when being translated to English, uh, it was shortened into Jude. Jude grew up in a large family with many brothers and sisters. In the beginning of this letter, Jude started off in verse 1, and it said, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. So James who is the better-known half-brother brother, brother, <laughs> brother of Jesus. So James, this, is who Jude, this James is who Jude's referring to, therefore we can now know that it's widely believed that Jude was the half-brother of Jesus. So Jude was one of the brothers of Jesus. So that's where he gets some of this authority. Ah, it makes sense now. You can find the names of Jesus' brother brothers in Matthew 13, 55. And in this, they're referring to Jesus. It says, it is not the carpenter's son, so this, you know, who is father, is not his mother called Mary, and are not his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. So Jude, like James, his, bro- his other brother, did not follow Jesus while he was there on earth, but only came to know Jesus after uh, his death and resurrection on the cross. So he only came to know him as our Lord and Savior after. So you could only imagine being the half-brother of Jesus. What would that be like? It's like you're related to the most successful and most powerful person on earth, and you're trying to live up to expectations. Can you imagine how Jude felt when he went to go and visit Mary? And she'd be talking about all the amazing things that Jesus did, and Jude and James would try and compare, and Mary would be like, do you hear what Jesus did today? He turned water into wine at the wedding, and it was great, and everyone was happy, and everyone was partying, and it was great, and, and then Jude would be walking and saying, oh, cool, I built a trough for pigs. Like, you know, how do you compare? And it, like, I'm not saying that a carpenter's work is easy or it's light. Like, you could be building a house, but then it's like, oh yeah, well, Jesus fed 5,000 and there was leftovers. Like, how do you compare to that? So you can understand it's human nature to believe your siblings aren't as great as everyone says they are. I mean, when you grow up with them, you know they're quirks. Jesus might be all God and all man. Right? So like he was saying fully God and fully man. But he had to have some quirks that drove his siblings bonkers. <laughs> like chewing with your mouth open or something. So you could see how it was hard for them to follow Jesus right away. Jesus' brothers tried to distance themselves as far as possible as they could. Even at the cross, when it was recorded in uh, John 19, 26 to 27, on his death on the cross, they were not there. When Jesus saw his mother, the disciples whom he loved was standing nearby. So this is John. We're talking about John, the disciple John. Uh, was standing nearby his mother. 
and, he, and Jesus said, Woman, behold your son. On verse 27, it says, Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his home. See, Jesus was the eldest son, and there was no family around to support his mother. And it was believed that, that Joseph was no longer with them, believed that he was passed away at the time. So he had, she had no one to take care of her because there was no family around because they distanced themselves from him. So John took the responsibility as Jesus' brother. It was only later recorded in Scripture that Jude came to know Jesus as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Only later, as it was recorded in Acts 1.14, that Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers were in the upper room while the disciples were praying. And from there on, we now know James became one of the chief leaders in the, um, uh, in the uh, Jerusalem church, early church. And as for Jude, we don't really know a whole lot about him, but we can only come to realize that he was probably a leader in the early church because he was writing letters of encouragement. He was writing letters of, of a guidance to other Christian groups. So he had to have some sort of power and authority in those letters for them to be recognized as they were. So now that we have a little bit of background, let's dive in. So now that we understand who Jude is, where Jude derives his authority from, let's, let's dive into the scripture. So I was really thinking how I was going to start off this message. And I figured I'd just start like Jude. And I'll say, I come to you now as a servant of Jesus Christ. And, uh, but as Jude, I wasn't always this way. I didn't always follow Jesus. Um, but I've only come to have a serious and personal relationship with Jesus in probably early 2008. Um, I knew Jesus I knew of him, but I didn't really understand his powers. I didn't understand his authority. I didn't understand him. If I only knew what I was missing about not having faith, it would have been a, it would have been a different story. It would have been a game changer. But nobody, nobody knows what it's like beside, like Jude and, and James would. Because they had the opportunity to walk alongside Jesus in the flesh. And they missed it. But I want us all to understand. It is not too late to walk with him in the spirit. It is never too late to walk with him today. If you are living on this earth and you have a breath in your lungs and a beat in your heart, it is never too late to understand that truth. We always have time. If you're sitting here today and, and you don't have a relationship, I really want you to listen to these words today. Jude is a prime example. He missed out on walking alongside Jesus. And we don't want to miss along, walking alongside him in the Spirit. So Jude had two things he wanted to portray to us today and the writing of his letters, and he wanted to expose the false teachers that infiltrated the Christian community. And two, 
He wanted to encourage Christians to stand firm in the faith and fight for the truth. So first, let's uh, go back into verse 3 and 4. I'm going to read it again. And it says, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about your common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend. Contend for the faith that once once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for condemnation, ungodly people who pervert, pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. Jude starts out by saying we must contend for our faith. We must be ready to fight for the faith. I don't know about you, but when I think the, and hear the word contend, I'm thinking of a world championship fighter who is ready to defend his title. He's getting ready to defend, or they're getting ready to defend their title, and we are defending something that is worth defending. God has entrusted us to uphold and honor this title. Then Jude goes on, in the verse, that we are defending it from people, not from the outside, but the inside. People that are sitting among us. People that walk among us. These people come with the knowledge of the scriptures. They twist them and use them to abuse God's grace and mercy. These people are in our church rejecting the authority of the church and seeking to please only themselves and only themselves selfishly. They claim that our bodies were meant for evil, and it's okay. It's okay. God will forgive us. We were meant to be evil. It happened way back when, but it's okay. We have grace. God will forgive us. They twist Jesus' teachings to suit their own needs for more money and more sex. And how often does the church turn a blind eye when the offering plate is full, we're making budget, programs are running fine, Here's a really good one. Here's a really good one. And we just don't want to upset anyone. We want everyone to be happy. We need to stop turning a blind eye to the perversions of the gospel. How many of us know people that use the Bible to excuse the way they live? They twist God's teachings to live a better life. Better life. I work with someone that did that very, very same thing. No, not now. I, I worked, past tense. Um, yeah, so, and he, he doesn't now. Let's just amen to that. Uh, but he, was a, he is and was a pastor's kid. He grew up in the church. He knew his gospel. Um, he could justify any of his actions through Scripture. He was unfaithful. He swore like a sailor. He had the hardest attitude you've ever seen in your life. Yet he would quote to me 
Romans 10.9, he said, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe with your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. And with a heart, one believes and is justified, and with one mouth confess and is saved. He said, I believe. I, I, I believe in Jesus. I know I have grace. I'm good. No. He believed since he knew God and he knew the grace, that he was good. He was good to do what he wanted to do. This is exactly what Jude is warning us about. This very thing. So, I was researching on Jude, and trust me, if you have never read Jude, turn all the way to Revelation and flip back to the left. There it is. It's packed. Uh, I've never received more information from one little piece of paper than I have in anything else I've ever studied. So I'm going to read a quote out of Matthew Henry's commentary. And he was, uh, there was a commentary out of the verse 3 and 4 of Jude. And he says it very well. So I'm going to quote him on this. And if you're looking for this, it's on Bible Gateway. They have commentaries on there, and they're actually not bad. And this is what he said, and I'm, I'm going to quote exactly from him. He said, these are the worst of ungodly men who turn the grace of God into dirty smut, who take encouragement to sin more boldly because the grace of God has flourished and it still thrives so wonderfully, who are hardened in their sins by the extent and fullness of the gospel and, their, and its grace. The design of which is to reduce men from sin and go bring them on to God. So they're taking this grace and turning it into smut when it's supposed to do the opposite and lift you up and bring you closer to God. Jesus, uh, Jude uses his own examples referring to the Old Testament scriptures as to how uh, this has happened since the time of Cain and Abel. And it will refuse to rest. We are in a never-ending fight, and we need to be ready. Jude continues on in verse 11 and 13. It says, Woe to them, for they walked in the way of Cain and abandoned themselves for the sake of gain in Balaam's error. Balaam's error, depends how you want to pronounce it. And perished in Korah's rebellion. These are hidden reefs at your love's feast, at the feast with, uh, with you without fear. Shepherds feeding themselves, waterless clouds, swept along by the winds, fruitless trees, and laid on them, twice uprooted. Verse 13 continuing, saying, Wild waves of the sea, casting up the foam from their own shame. Wandering stars from whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved for. There are people out there who claim to be Christians, yet they do not learn from the teachings of the Bible. They choose to live their corrupt lives as normal. But how, but how are we to recognize and combat these false teachers? For in 2 Peter 2, verse 1 to 4, it teaches us, but false prophets also arose among the people just as there will be false teachers among you 
who will secretly bring in destructive heresies. So what is, what's being said here is that we have people among us trying to destroy the very foundation, the very foundation of what we stand upon as a church, as a group of believers. They're coming in trying to take us out at our knees. They're even denying the master who brought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. Verse 2, it says, and many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of the truth will be blasphemed. This is where you hear people say, I've been hurt by the church. The church has hurt me. They, they, they take the name of the church now, and they're now dragging it through the mud. Nobody wants to go to church anymore. Why? Because of things like that. The church, the church said I was, I was this, and the church said I was, I was that. And, and, and I can't go back to church. Did you hear what the church did to me? And all for what? It says here in verse 3, And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their greed. It's for their greed. For more power. For a, a position of authority. For their greed. Their condemnation for a long ago is not idle and their destruction is not asleep. It's not asleep. It doesn't stop. It doesn't rest. Nor should we. So let's continue on in the letter of Jude. It says in verse 17 and 19. He said, But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 18, they said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is those who cause division, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. Like it says in 2 Peter, the destruction will not sleep. It never needs to sleep. We must be vigilant for the sake of the church, for the future of the church. But how are we to seek out division or false teachers of the church? Of all places, where do you think we come together to, to not seek division, to seek commonality, to seek brotherly love, sisterly love, family love? It should be here in the church, yet it happens among us. Well, it says in 1 John 4, 1-6, it says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but, but, test the spirit to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. But this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come into the flesh from God and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. I know I was saying this guy talked about, God, like said he knew Jesus. Just hold on. We're going to finish it and it'll make more sense. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. So, And then it says, this is the spirit of the anarchist who, or which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. 
Here, here's where it gets really good, guys. Here's where it gets really good. Verse 4. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. For he who is in you, who is in you, who is in you, is greater than he who is in the world. Because if you call Jesus as Lord and Savior, there is nothing better in this world than he is. This world has nothing to offer you better than Jesus Christ. They are from the world, therefore they speak uh, from the world. And the world will listen to them. This is, this is where it gets good, right here again. This is where I'm talking the difference. They will listen to them. And we are from God. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us, and whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. By this. By this, we know. I'm telling you people, get into your word. Get into your word. Let it know you. You better know it. Let it work in you. Do not fall to the world because there is nothing greater than he who lives inside of you. If you are not listening to the truth, then this is a good indication that some of us out there are living for our own selfish desires. Let us continue on the letter of Jude from verse 20. We're going to go right, right to the end. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy. Have mercy on those who doubt. We're not saying cast everyone out that's, you know, that, that uh, does not believe in the truth of the gospel. We're not saying to chase them away and never look at them again. But have mercy on them. And verse 23, you're going to continue on. It says, save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show them mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. Be in the world and not of it. John 17, 15, 19, I'm going to paraphrase it. And it says, Jesus, um, Jesus was teaching, and he was, he was saying that in the, be in the world. We are in the world. And Jesus was in it just as he was. Then he asks for his Father to protect us. And we be sanctified with the truth, and the truth is the word. So continuing on with Jude, and it says, verse 24, Now, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, 
verse 25, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all times, now and forever. Amen? Amen. I'm going to read a portion of the Gospel Project curriculum. Um, as I was preparing, I went through it, and I really found this, this great section that they put after this. And it, it explains this portion of Scripture really, really well. This is for the church to discern false teachers among them and contend for the faith. It is important that, that is, they know the faith. You cannot defend what you do not know. You cannot defend what you do not know. The church was not to stay on the defensive. It was never meant to stay on defensive. But be on the offensive too. Grow in your faith. Grow in your faith. Build yourself up in the faith. Sounds like difficult work, doesn't it? Because it is. But we aren't the ones doing all the work. Our faith is. We can think of our faith as being the foundation on which our lives are built on. This is what we stand on. This is where we, we get our, our knees underneath us. This is where we get to know the truth. This is where we get to stand up and fight. As God increases our faith, our lives will, ref will reflect that, this growth. We will trust him more. We will love him more. And we will serve him more. We are certainly have a role to play in our growth. But we are not responsible for it alone. It is God who is at work and, and complete the work that, he, that we need to complete the work that he began. God who is at work. God's working in us. We're not going to be growing on our own. It's God working in us and growing our faith. So I'm going to close out in, um, with John 5, 39 to 40, and it says, you search and know the scriptures, but you missed it. You know the scriptures, but you don't know me. I don't want us to be a church like that. I don't want us to be a church that knows the scriptures but loses the sight of Jesus. It's one thing to be Bible scholars. We can all be Bible scholars. We can all know scripture. But it's forgetting the relationship that's involved with that. That should send a tingle down your spine. That should really send a tingle. I can quote scripture, but if I miss that relationship... you are missing salvation. Because you can know the scriptures like they did in Jude. They all knew the scriptures. They perverted them though. This is exactly what Jude is writing about. Jesus said that you are dead in your sin and you are lost in your sin. You may know the scriptures inside and out, but you fail to connect it with Jesus. Because we do not connect what we know to the relationship. But church, we are called to have mercy on those 
who seem to have turned away from the gospel, away from the truth, and pervert the word. We should be cautious with this group. I'm not going to say that it's going to be easy going, but we should be cautious. But we should always show mercy. We should always show love. We should always show grace. We should be true contenders of the faith and pray for them and guide them as they allow us to. But we need to stand. We need to stand as a church. Will you stand with me and pray, guys? So church, we need to stand up and be ready. Jude only applied this letter, applied in this letter what Jesus first applied to the disciples. He said, if you really love me, then you will obey my teachings. That's John 14, 15. He said, you will obey my teachings. For Christians, how this, for Christians, this means how you live is the most reliable indicator of what you actually believe. How you live is the most reliable indicator of what you believe. So let's be ready to fight for the faith. Be ready to welcome our Savior. We need to be a church that stands together, just as we're standing right now. We are standing together for the truth of the gospel. We need to be standing and showing that we are reliable indicators of the faith by the fruit that we show. Are we bearing good fruit? Are we bearing rotten fruit? Are we showing people that this is God's love and this is God's grace and this is God's mercy? Or are we a closed-in group? What are we showing as a church? What are we showing? I see a bunch of people that love people. I see a bunch of people right now that love their church, love the people that are here. I want to stand up and fight for that. I don't know about you. Do you want to fight for that? I want to stand up and fight for that. I want to stand up and fight for the truth of the gospel. I want to stand up and be that. Be what Jude calls us to be. Will you guys pray with me? Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for your goodness and your grace and your mercy and your love that you have poured out onto us, God, so that we, that we may pour out onto others. Father, I pray that we do not become a stagnant bucket of water. Father, water that gives life, water that gives, gives to others. Father, I pray that our water just keep flowing on to others, Father, that we may be pouring out our love and mercy and grace and kindness and goodness, God, that we become overflowing, that they may become overflowing, Father. So, Heavenly Father, I pray um, that we follow these letters of Jude and of your disciples and be true contenders of the faith. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this time. I pray that the words that have been spoken here today, Father, that they just resonate in our hearts. And Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the people that are in this room that are ready to stand and fight for the faith, Father, and stand up and fight for your love, Father. God, I just pray that 
that uh, we are able to keep this going for your goodness and your grace and your mercy, Father. And Father, we just pray all these things in your Son's holy name. Amen. So as you can see up above my head, we do podcasts. Um, if you have any questions, you have anything that you'd like to ask, you can go on alex at sharethejourney.ca, email me, and uh, we're going to do some questions and answers uh, with myself, maybe some of the other pastors. But uh, yeah, feel free to email me any questions you may have. Thank you.